Welcome to the Curvy Culture Podcast. I'm Andrea Westbrook, your host and a dedicated size inclusion specialist and plus size life coach. My mission is to create a world where fat, curvy and plus size people feel like they truly belong, can reach their full potential and absolutely thrive. Whether you're a business owner, a people leader or on your own personal journey, Curvy Culture offers you valuable insights and support. For business owners and people leaders, I'm here to guide you in understanding the profound impacts of weight stigma and anti-fat bias on your employees and your customers. Together, we'll pave the way towards skyrocketing your team engagement, supersizing your employee retention, propelling innovation and productivity, and of course, up-leveling your customer relationships. If you're on a personal journey and you are passionate and committed to positive change, the Curvy Culture Podcast is for you too. I'll be your guide, assisting you to navigate weight stigma and weight bias, encouraging you to let go of limiting beliefs about your size. Join me as we create spaces where you can find acceptance and live the life that you truly want to live. I'm so glad you're here with me on this empowering and insightful adventure as we shake up the stereotypes and celebrate the beauty and diversity of all body shapes and sizes. All content shared on and related to this program is for general informational purposes only and may contain stories and discussions that can be unsettling to some listeners. If you are concerned about yourself or someone you know, please seek professional and individual help and support. Welcome to episode 10 of the Curvy Culture podcast. Today, I am thrilled to introduce you to my guest, Shavice Turner. Shavice is an internationally recognised activist and advocate with over 20 years experience in the healthcare community. She is a change maker, a public policy influencer and a speaker. And to be honest, when I listened back to this interview today, I was absolutely blown away about the amount of work that Shavice has done and is doing in the eating disorder and the size inclusion space. Shavice has got some fabulous tips, hints, advice on how to approach approach size inclusion in your business. She has so much wisdom and expertise in this area and I really hope you enjoy and take away some key actions. Well, welcome to the podcast, the Curvy Culture Podcast, Shavice Turner. Thank you for having me. I'm really thrilled to have you here, Shavice, because I've been following your content for a while and I'm really excited to be able to share it um, with my listeners as well. And I'd really love to um, get us started by asking you if you would mind to share your journey to becoming a body um, a body activist and what that means for you. Sure. Um, well, I will start by saying that I had a lot or I have a long history of eating disorders um, from really age five Mm -hmm. uh, and went through an awful lot as a child and Mm -hmm. um, through my early adulthood um, just dealing with that and all that comes with it and um, I was always a 
fat child and mm-hmm. a fat adolescent and a fat uh, adult. And I thought that there was no way that I could have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So all of everything in my family was um, uh, in terms of my body was about making it smaller And my mom had an eating disorder. She grew up as a fat kid. So um, there was a lot of, um, you know, weight bias and fat phobia. Mm. um, But it, you know, this is just, this was the early 70s and it's all we knew. Um, So lots of, you know, physician interventions, putting me on diet pills, um, suggesting I go off to weight management programs. And um, through my teen years and into my early um, adulthood, I at various times was at one of four different weight management programs. And I would always lose weight, lose lots of weight, (laughs) and then um, gain it all back plus some. Yeah. And, And that weight cycling really um, had an impact on my body, not only mentally, because I already had an eating disorder, mm-hmm. um, but also physically. And so mm-hmm. by the time I was 35 and giving um, birth to my first son, um, my heart was in a bad place and mm-hmm. I went congestive heart failure. Oh, wow. And and yeah, so, you know, I was very near death. Um, yep. And this, you know, this was, um, this was something that looking back, I think could have been prevented by not mm. weight cycling so many mm-hmm. times my heart was weakened. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, much like someone with anorexia, and I did, I had binge eating disorder and mm-hmm. atypical anorexia which I hate that name. Uh, we need to just call it anorexia. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it as I said, took a, a toll on my body. Mm. So after that happened, um, I took one more good shot after having a second child of, of losing weight. I was starting to understand the, the sort of anti-diet world and, you know, but I was living in this sort of cognitive dissonance about it. You know, I, I wanted to go there, but I couldn't quite get there. And um, so I opted to have uh, lap band surgery at age, I don't know, 39 or 40. Mm -hmm. And it was a year after that, that I started the binge eating disorder association here in the States, because I had, I just knew, I knew that, that, I had done something that was really sort of the last straw in terms of what my body could take. Yeah. And I lived with that device, um, you know, wrapped around my stomach for about eight years. And um, thankfully I opted for that particular one and could have it removed. Okay. Um, so that was, that was uh, the good part. <laughs> the only yeah. good part. But um, I call it mechanicalized bulimia because I I vomited every day. Oh, wow. um, With that device. It was really awful. So that was it. (laughs) You know, like 
I was, I was building this organization. I was learning much more. I was learning about health at every size. Um, I really, uh, myself and the, the board of the Binge Eating Disorder Association really came together and made a stand and said, you know, um, recovery from this disorder is not about weight loss. It's a yeah. mental health illness. So that yeah. was, a, that was a big thing in the field. Nobody was willing to, to say that at, at that point. Uh, but it was it was very important. And it was important for my sort of last pieces of recovery. Yeah. Um, and um, I we did merge with the National Eating Disorders Association um, at one point, And uh, I've moved on now to do some consulting and, um, you know, groups and I'm doing some coaching and that sort of thing and really just trying to take my experience and and put it into the world and hopefully help other people who have yeah you know had this or similar journeys yeah yeah wow and when you when you started the binge eating disorders association were you already working in that space or was no. this something completely, aside from having an eating <laughs> disorder yourself, this was something, this was completely new work to you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Great. I, I had, I was working in the nonprofit arena, which is what okay. we call here in the States. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I was working in um, the oncology field. So I was, I was working um, with an organization that, um was very concerned about helping patients get access to care for oncology. Okay. So I learned a lot there. Yeah, okay, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, it was a fortuitous beginning and it really yeah. did help in building BETA. Okay, yeah. oh, fantastic. And I know um, you've recently become a Dove Body Freedom campaign ally. Could yes. you share with us a bit about how that came about it and what that means? Yeah, that um, actually, I, I've been in conversations with Dove probably since around 2019. Yeah. Um, and at the time, they had um, they had started looking into what it would mean for them to support an effort to add weight to anti-discrimination laws in the U.S. states and on the federal level. Um, mm -hmm. They were they were interested in that because they had had great success uh, with supporting um, a movement to make um, discrimination based on Black women's hair. Um, successful here in the States. Um, because up until that time, you know, women could just be told or be fired because of their hairstyle. And, you know, so, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, are we back in the medieval times yeah. or, but, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, so they worked with some nonprofits and, and that was a successful campaign. And um, of course, you know, they're, they're marketing. This is, yep. this is a marketing effort, um, but they did want to, you know, do good in the world through their marketing and had a long um, history of body esteem, uh, yeah. you know, 
in um, with their different programs. So we started um, discussing this and what it would look like. Um, I I do have policy experience as well. Okay. Um, and so then the pandemic hit. <laughs> yep. Yes. And uh, we all went into hiding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it took about a year or so, you, you know, kind of starting to come out of that where we yep. were in conversations again. And long, long story, but um, at the end of the day, they ended up um, working with a group here called NAFA, um, the National Association to Advance Fat, um, the word used to be something different, but now they use fat acceptance. Okay, so, yeah. Um, they are working with them and with a, a legal group called Flair, and um, they are going into the various states here. They have a target list of states, and they're trying to change the laws so that it will be illegal to discriminate based on a person's body size. And so that's that's really great news. Yeah. And, um, I'm serving as an ally consultant to them and, you know, just try to keep them abreast of what's going on in our field and mm -hmm. what might be helpful to the campaigns and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. They're doing research. Um, you know, we're finding out a lot more about, um, you know, body, um, just how much money we're spending on um, criticizing people's bodies yeah, <laughs> for their yeah. size. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. a very interesting campaign and I am very excited to see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that's um, fantastic. I had no idea that that's what they were actually trying to achieve through yeah. the campaign. And yeah, I, I think there'll be a lot more information coming yeah great great yeah um and I love that you've acknowledged that it's a marketing effort but what what I love about it is they're using their marketing effort to create social change mm -hmm. and create yeah. social justice and for me I've thought for a long time that we can't rely on our government anymore to do that the governments are too slow they're buried with everything that they've got to address and also you know there's a question of whether the right people are in the right right roles and right exactly. um, positions of power but and that's why I think we're seeing more and more that organizations and individuals are driving social change yes. and, and and it's not just in the fat acceptance space we see it a lot in climate change for example yes. too so Absolutely. that's probably the biggest example I can think of. So when I hear of organisations doing it in our space, it just it gives me tingles because we really yeah. need that, excuse the pun, that weight behind us to help make that change. Yes, and it's um, they are really the only ones behind it. But, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. And, and, but there always has to be a first effort, right? Yes, I mean, there's yeah. been there's been NAFA is actually the the um, long or the oldest organization working on behalf of of fat people in in the world um they started in 1969 i believe so okay. um they've been around for quite a, a while but funding is always an issue right yeah, i mean absolutely. we can 
there's funding for lots of other social justice um, um, interests and yes. issues, but this is one that it's it's taken this many years for someone, anyone, yeah. any entity to get behind our community. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this will help other funders see that this is a worthwhile cause that people no matter what body size deserve dignity and, and they deserve yeah. to have recourse if they are discriminated against. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think like to your point where it is early day, well, it's not early days. We're, it's not it's unfortunately. <laughs> Finally, yeah. it feels like it's starting to shift. Yes. There's yes. definitely more conversation and attention on it than there ever has been before. Yeah, so that's one yeah. of the good things about social media and yeah. what you're doing, your podcast and so forth. Yeah. Um, we've been able to really have conversations about it and and people, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I I was familiar with NAFA and I, I understood what they were doing, but I wasn't at a place in my recovery and my journey um, where I could accept my fatness and yeah. be a part of that. But when yeah. I started to see so many people come together on social media and, you know, it was like, I'm okay. I'm okay as a fat person. Yeah. And this is okay. Yeah. There are lots of us out there. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. And that way it's been really, really great. And we know there's a lot of awful things about social media too, but yeah, it's yeah. really good for us. Exactly. And every day, well, lately I've been having thought, oh, I just I want to get off social media. But what I would really miss is the fat community. Yes. Because me for too. me that really is online and and so I'm addressing my relationship with social media and focusing more on on the beautiful relationships and friendships yes. that, and um you know and, and this co this sort of pseudo co-working we're all doing together to try and and lift this issue and raise the profile. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it's a, it's really wonderful to feel like you're not alone. It is. And that people yeah. understand the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know that's not what all, that's not all you do. You're also, is this still the case, the CEO of the Body Equity Alliance? Yes, yes. I am. Can you tell us about, about the work you do in that space? Yeah, and it's it's actually a, a new thing for me, and it it really was a, a you know I'm so I'm at I'm in beginning days, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and I'm the it's it's a, a, a it's not a nonprofit organization. Um, it's really meant to house the work that I'm doing in the community, and um, I hope someday it it will. Um, grow to the place where I'll feel secure enough about yeah. making it a nonprofit, <laughs> but yeah, been yeah. there, did that, and it's very difficult to raise money yeah. and so forth. But um, I'm working um, with individuals who want help um, navigating the healthcare system. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and and what what. I mean by that is it's, you know, I'm, I'm not navigating insurance and that kind of yeah. thing, which is surely an issue here, 
but it's the, you know, someone um, has not gone to the doctor for years who mm-hmm. is fat because of the way they've been treated in the yep. past and they're scared. Yeah. And so I um, hold space for that and I help them move through that process. And we, you know, come back around after an appointment and talk about it and yep. talk about holding boundaries. And if it didn't go great, that's fine. You yep. know, um, but the doctor works for you and yep. nurses, work for you You know, this sort of thing. Yep. So it's really helping people feel like somebody's there and, and has their back as they're going through this, because we know the system can be very cruel to people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I'm doing. One of the other big projects that I'm just getting off the ground is, um, I'm calling it the, um, lived experience in research project. And the idea behind this is that so much of what we see out there in terms of whether it's higher weight eating disorders or just, you know, um, research about um, higher weight people in general, you know, it's it's generally thin people working on these <laughs> research yeah. efforts, you yeah. know, and they don't have necessarily, now there are some, but, the, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they don't have the lived experience yeah. of fatness. And so, um, we're putting together a group of people who are going to create guidelines. And out of those, we hope to create um, um, training that would then help people serve as lived experience consultants to um, research projects. And people would be a part of the development and also the analysis so that you just have you know, another, a, a set of eyes that is lived. Yeah. This, yeah. You know, and, and ca- can help the, the researchers. Yeah. Um, so it's, I've already been doing some sort of pilot projects where I've yeah. been acting in that capacity. Just yeah. fortunately, I found some researchers who were willing to try that. <laughs> oh, great. And, yeah. Um, you know, that that's informed kind of, you know, how we're going to go. Um, but I think that's going to be really important down the road because I read so much research that I'm like, who, who thought of this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, this, this doesn't capture, you know, what actually goes on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is just really going to add additional layers of context Yes. And deepen their findings. Exactly. Exactly. So for instance, right now there, there's, um, there's an effort between a, a, a very big group of, um, uh, eating disorder and I, I don't use the O word, so I'll just Mm -hmm. say O word, but, um, uh, O researchers in the States and in Australia, Um, and you know, they're, they're, they're saying that treatments for, O don't cause eating disorders. And mm-hmm. those of us with the lived experience can tell you <laughs> mm-hmm. that they absolutely can and do. 
you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. these are the kind of things yeah. that, you know, if people yeah. with the experience are involved from the beginning, yeah. it, we're not going to have this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously this is very topical right now with the use of pharmaceuticals in that space yes. and that type of thing. So, oh, that that really sounds like um, fantastic work. Yes. Yeah. And really it kind of, this is not to diminish the work you're doing, but it kind of feels to me like it's a no-brainer with the... <laughs> With the, you know, it's I know in Australia, I think it's similar in the US with 67% of the population, you know, in, in those, in the 2.0 word categories, mm-hmm. it's the majority of the population. So if you're it, not considering them, you're really focusing on 33% of the population. Exactly. And I yeah. think it's 41% here, but okay. we have a much bigger population yeah, also. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, it's a it's a lot of people it's almost yeah. half um yeah and exactly so, you know it, it's uh yeah and the fact that you know I mean uh, the U.S. especially prides itself on being itself on being good capitalist you know yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I'm like yeah why aren't you there should be clothes for fat people everywhere yeah, yeah there should yeah. be like you we're half of the country. Why aren't yeah. you catering to us? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? And yeah. Um, we know yeah. why. We do know but... why. It's uh, yeah, weight stigma. <laughs> because they want us phobia. to change ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, you know, yeah. they think we can. Yeah. yeah. Um, so right, if they yeah. if they make clothes for us, then that's a problem, you know, because we won't want to lose weight to fit into. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, all of us have tried that, and it hasn't worked. I, I do not know a fat person that hasn't tried to make themselves smaller, and we know exactly. it doesn't work many times over. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, that actually actually leads me really nicely into the into the next question. What do you see as the main challenges of the organisations you work with around weight stigma? Uh, frankly, thin people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, um, you know, in terms of eating disorders or just living in a higher weight body, um, it, you know, it, it really is, um, it is, it is weight bias and it, mm-hmm. and that is so baked into our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, I, there are studies that show the number one place where people, um, uh, engage or, you know, experience weight bias is within the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it goes in, you know, physicians yep. and nurses and mental health yep. providers and so on, teachers yep. and yep. so forth. So um, that that is the public health crisis yep. that we need to be paying attention to, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, that is what keeps people from getting health care. Yeah. That's what leads people down roads into eating disorders and other mental health problems. Um, 
And, and, you know, as long as people who have thin privilege or even, you know, there are fat people in our midst, including myself at mm-hmm. one point, mm-hmm. um, who internalized these, yes. these messages. Yep. And I was just as guilty of yep. criticizing other fat people. Yep. And, you know, yep. I put my hand up to that too. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel for people who are still in that because um, it, there's a lot of pain there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's no freedom or liberation in living in that um, frame of mind. Yeah. And so it's a difficult place to be. And so, but if people can't, realize their own thin privileges and how the entire world is built around that mm-hmm. and that the you know fat people have always existed there's just more of us now mm-hmm. um, and you know the things that you keep these folks keep spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on trying to make us thinner yeah um and nothing has ever worked long-term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you yeah. would think, I, I mean, take a good look at yourself. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And what is it about your thought process that is, um, or what you believe and who you are and your everything and the dignity of people and think about that, you yeah. know, really think hard about it. Um yeah. And I, I really think that's the the biggest thing we're up against is people not being able to, um, you know, see the bias and understand what it does. Mm, mm, mm. Because that and, limits then funding, it, limit, mm-hmm. it limits everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, for, for me, it limits the respect that you can give to other people. Yes. Yeah, because everybody deserves respect regardless of their body, shape or size, regardless of their health. Yes. And, yeah, so and I think when you've got that that bias, it really cuts into that ability to give other people respect. It does. And yeah. then, you know, the research shows that um, at the intersections of other oppressions. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, if you're... Um, you know, somebody who identifies within the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. or the BIPOC community, um, or you know, you are poverty level yeah. or whatever it is that we there are so many things. Um, that just adds to the the stress of life, you know, yeah. because you, yeah. you've now got multiple oppressions that are and we know that as soon as you keep the more you yep. pile on the less access to healthcare you yeah. have yeah you know yep. the less everything you have yeah yeah the more marginalized you are yes exactly. yeah absolutely exactly. yeah so what what are the businesses or organizations that you admire that you think are doing great work in this space um so i you know, my orientation is really to the eating disorders field. Yes. And yep. So 
Um, you know, here in the state, we have a states, we have a group called Fed Up, um, mm -hmm. which is, uh, really centers the um, LGBTQ and especially the trans community. Yep. Um, we have Nagona Positivity Pride, which is a, a group that um, works they they do a lot Gloria Lucas the woman that founded it um her ancestry is indigenous in mm -hmm. the United States and so she really does a lot of work with the BIPOC community mm -hmm. that really doesn't have access to care yeah so she yep. does a lot of harm reduction work okay yeah that is I think so important because you know, anybody who lives with any sort of oppression, um, that access to care is is less, you have less of a chance of, as we were just saying, and you've experienced more trauma. Um, just living mm -hmm. in this world as a fat person every day, you're traumatized. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, yeah. Right. So she works, she does a lot of harm reduction work for the, the, the black and people of color and indigenous mm -hmm. um, um, communities. So I really admire both yep. of those groups. Um, ASDA in the States is the Association for Size, Diversity and Health um, and ASDAH. And um, they are the organization that really created Health at Every Size. Okay. Uh, yep. Yep. Or there some of their founding members did. Okay. And, um, they do a lot of really wonderful education and, um, and of course, NAFA that I mentioned earlier, yes. um, they're a wonderful organization as well. And then there are, there are lots of little organizations that are not, yeah. even, you know, um, eating disorders organizations, but, um, you know, they really are, uh, and I, I, forgive me, I can't think of all mm -hmm. of their names, but I can give you them for the show notes. But, you know, they're, um, they are people coming together to really um, represent the marginalized folks um, in, in every community, but yeah. are really learning that fatness is one of those areas that, you know, they've got to include. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, fantastic. For a long time in the social justice community, it wasn't a part of... No, it, yeah, it, exactly. And it was a uh, it was a real uh, penny drop moment for me when I realised I was part of that group and we had been excluded from the diversity yeah. inclusion conversation and the social justice conversation. I'm like, Oh my gosh! I've got to do something about this, and that's what <laughs> that's what led me to to where I am today. Like, yeah, because yeah, they just yeah. don't know. Yeah, they just exactly. Don't know. Yeah, and yeah. I think too, as a fat person, I didn't even know. Yeah. I couldn't put my experience into words until right. an article was shared with me, and I was like, "Oh my goodness! Yes, this, <laughs> this is my life. This is what right. I've experienced," and I just felt so validated and seen and I'm I'm like I think I was it was that was about 2020 I was like mm -hmm. oh my gosh I've made it this far in my life and this has been my experience and I've not been able to articulate it until now 
Yes. And yeah, and I just thought it was crazy. And I think a lot of other fat people still feel like that. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. so, too. And, and it is that, that, I don't know if you had that cognitive dissonance at first, that was sort of like, uh, you know, I, I, oh. I you know, it, and, and it's, it's always so, I, I mean, we all go through it. And, Yet it's difficult watching people go through it and and yeah. hear it because they'll they'll fight to the end for weight yeah. loss, you know. Yeah. And I did it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know? And but we can have empathy for them because it's a journey. It takes yeah. time. Yeah. To unlearn yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Of- yeah. And I, I'm I'm still on learning. Yeah. As I, as I'm sure it's, it'll be a lifetime journey. Oh, with absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I always, yeah. I always marvel at how I think I know everything. And then yeah. somebody else, you know, somebody will post something and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and absolutely. Lots of brilliant yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of very smart people in this space. Yeah. 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 And I absolutely did have that cognitive dis- dissonance. And I fought this work, doing this work. For year, for years, for a couple of years, <laughs> but it just kept coming back to me, and I couldn't let it go. Yeah, like, oh, but too. I want to do this. That's too scary. That's too hard. It's yeah. It, nobody's what's going to want to talk about it. Yeah, right. yeah. What, what language am I going to use? Yes. Think? What language am I going to use? Like yes. as, as basic as that. And then I just, I don't know. Something happened, and I just went, I can't fight it anymore. I've got to, I've got to give this a red hot go. Yeah, well, it's yeah. almost like that, um, that part of self, yes, you know, that is the protector. And, yeah, you know, it, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have all these parts of my life that I'm so successful in. Yes. And I, you know, I have friends and family and blah, blah, blah. And why is that? Why is this piece about me? so terrible and what you know it's not mm-hmm. it's not and it's like when the self when that finally happens then um at least for me it was like okay I can't sit here and be quiet anymore exactly you know? yeah 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 once I got to that realization I thought actually this is why I'm here yes and this is why I've been given this body yeah as wonderful as it is yeah to yeah to take this message and try and agitate for this change exactly exactly yeah. yeah it's a it's a wonderful and scary feeling when you get to that it is yeah <laughs> it, is. it is I remember yeah. my my son both of my sons played baseball in middle school and um they were on these teams that traveled and yeah. So we were with these parents all the time and they started friending me on Facebook and yeah it was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, they started asking me, what is it you do? And oh, you know, yeah. We're all thin people. And I know yeah. this, they think I'm absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, and I just have to live with that and be okay yeah. with it. Yeah. 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 And it's not my job to change their mind, no. but I can give them the information. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, although I would love to change their hearts. I know. Minds, but, <laughs> we do but, change you know, minds. We, we do. do. Yeah, we yeah. do. 
it just takes yeah. time and we don't always see yeah. the full journey that's that right had. yeah and it might yeah. we might just trigger a tiny little change mm -hmm. and that might be okay for that person right yeah or plant a seed that that's fully right. grows down the road that's right, right. yeah which actually, Shavis, is a beautiful segue to the next question. What, <laughs> as you've moved and grown in the body activism space, what's been your biggest learning? Uh, interestingly enough, um, it's it's not exactly a positive. Um, mm -hmm. One of the biggest learnings that I've I've come to realize is that, and and I've I've now heard this from other activists in other spaces is that the most traumatized, the most oppressed are the ones who do the most, who do this work and become, uh, they experience more and more and more trauma because you're putting yourself out there in mm -hmm. a way that you become a target. Yeah. And so, yep. you know, some of my wonderful fat friends who are well known in the states and who mm -hmm. do this work, you know, they've had, they've had, mm. they've been doxxed. They've, yeah. you know, they, um, they've had people do things to them, come to their house, you know, all kinds of, yeah. of really yeah. um, awful things. And just the daily, you know, on social media, people are not always kind. Yeah. And, um, and, and when you really start to go out there and speak, speak truth to power, um, which I've had to do with one of the organizations in the States, um, and really be, um, upfront about how I feel about them mm -hmm. and, and the fact mm -hmm. that they've caused a lot of harm, mm -hmm. um, and it's not just me who. <laughs> no, I know, but I have seen some of your writing on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's scary. It is yeah. scary because yeah. legal action is always possible. Yep. Um, but you have to do it. Like I just I think about I think about me at five years old. Yeah. And yeah, what I needed. Yeah. You know, and and the work that this organization is doing is actually harming children not yeah. not their work but their their front facing policies and yeah. um and so and then you're you know people don't agree with you and they're nasty to you and that sort of thing yeah. so um so it is that yeah you are you're re-traumatized mm. almost on yeah. the daily basis yeah if you really put yourself out there yeah so how do you manage that for yourself or how do you protect your self from that if you can yeah um well some days are easier than others yeah yeah for <laughs> um, sure. and there there are times when I just I need to talk to my therapist about it I yep. make sure I always have a good therapist yeah um, I have community so I can talk together with community yeah um, and I um I I I, I try to be even handed in in the critiques that I put out there um, yep. so that they're not you know they have to be truthful and it, you need to be a truth teller but it, it's not 
nasty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so I tried, you know, to kind of keep some of it away and, yeah. and I had one of those days yesterday where I just had a pit in my stomach the whole day because mm -hmm. of that was happening. And I just kind of, you know, I, I disconnected from everything. Yeah. I let myself relax and rest and be with my family and yeah. take my mind off of it. And, and yeah. That's what yeah. 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 It's that tapping into what soothes your soul. Yes. Cause it can feel very raw being out there. And exposing yourself to that. And I find it's kind of like a cocooning and like, who do yeah. I need around me right now? Or what do I need? Yeah, just exactly. to um, get back to myself. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it, it can be scary. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what um, what three tips or, or pieces of advice would you give to businesses or to individuals who wanted to become body activists too? Um, I think for either, um, I think the most important thing is to really listen. Yeah. Really listen to the, the lived experiences. Um, there are so many nuances in all of this and you don't, learn those overnight and so mm -hmm. you can go in with a lot of gusto and um you know but um if you're an individual that wants to do this work you know get a mentor um you know talk to people interview people um just have conversations with people yeah. and read everything you can read yeah um, yeah I think that that's really important businesses have to go into this with great care yeah because they can do great harm yeah um it's lovely that you want to put fat people in your campaign and show body diversity um but how you treat those people yeah including the fact that they deserve to be paid they're not just there to yeah you know be in your campaign yeah um and you really need to learn. You can't just, oh, this is, let's find some fat people and tokenize them and throw them yeah. into a campaign. Um, yeah. If you're, you know, building a clothing line, again, just really listening to people and yeah. being respectful of their journeys because they have been harmed. They have been traumatized. And this is, you, you can't just, you can't just um, assume that, I mean, hopefully they would do this with everyone. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we yeah, know how companies yeah. work. <laughs> yes, so. yeah, absolutely, yeah. And they they do the same do the same thing with other marginalized groups too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, really just learning about what it, it and and working together with with those people that you're going to work with to come up with a common goal and an understanding so that there, there's no misunderstanding about what is being asked of, of the fat person or yep. people and what is being given, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I find that that is sometimes, and, and fat people, because we have been marginalized and we've, 
you know, we tend to be the good girls or yes, or yes. we want to please because yep. we want to be loved. Yes. And quite often yeah. we're not because of our size. Yeah. Yeah. And so we yeah. will go head over heels to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah. Not good. No. Yeah. And it leaves us to, open to being taken advantage of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So being aware of yeah. that. And, and it's good for individuals also who are going to get involved in this kind of thing to, you know, have some boundaries and work with a therapist to really yeah. understand a, a fat friendly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really understand your boundaries and what it means to be putting yourself out there. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Great advice. Shavise Turner, thank you so much. This has been an amazing um, conversation to have with you. I want to thank you for being so authentic and vulnerable with us in sharing your journey and also in the fantastic advice and sharing your expertise with us. You've been um, an absolute sensation, so thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Curvy Culture Podcast. I hope you've been able to take away some practical tips that you can implement or that it's generated some thinking um, that you can do around how you might be able to create a size-inclusive environment. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would really love you to leave a review and a rating because this will help more people to find us and to spread this important message. And if you'd like to know more about creating a size-inclusive workplace, please download my size-inclusive checklist for people leaders, HR, and DEI practitioners. You can find it at www.andreawestbrook.com.au forward slash freebies.